My name is Alec Crawford, and this is Stay, a podcast about sustainability, technology, artificial intelligence, and how they impact you at home, at work, and around the world. I am discussing these topics with high-profile guests to give you important information that goes much deeper than other sources. Find out answers to questions like, can artificial intelligence save the planet? And how does ESG investing affect you? We can build a better, sustainable future together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stay Podcast. This is your host, Alec Crawford, and our special guest today is Ashok Mandena, CEO and founder of Chatfin, and also a Google and Gap alumni. Welcome, Ashok. Thanks, Alec. Thanks for having me here. Great to have you. So uh, let's kick it off by talking about your career journey, starting with uh, perhaps your first job after business school. Um, so... I did my MBA at the University of Akron, Ohio, uh, which is, uh, I moved from a tropical place to to Ohio, you know, in, in mid-winter, it was really cold, and I came into the MBA program, it's all new for me, but I really enjoyed the place, I really enjoyed the university going there. But coming to an MBA program and going through it, MBA kind of confuses you, like what you want to really do in life because you have a career and then you start doing it, then you did your MBA, then you're like, do I want to go into management? Do I want to go into technology? Do I want to go a very specific place? But that's not the case for any of the other technology masters, right? Um, so I was a little confused. I I got in, I interviewed with a lot of companies in Ohio, uh, manufacturing, those are the kind of companies around there in Akron. Uh, but then... Um, I figured out that there's a, there's a big space in my the finance and the technology. So I joined a company in, um, in Manhattan um, supporting their finance and finance processes. And that's how I got into finance uh, because of my first job. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about that first job. What was the company and, and what exactly were you doing? I work for Coned, um, Consolidated Edison. It's a utility company um, based in Brooklyn. And I worked for a short while there, uh, supporting their, as I mentioned, as a finance processes. Um, they have a lot of finance data flowing from one system to another. So I helped them integrate all those, uh, all those finance systems. Uh, it's short-lived, but then from there, I moved to North Carolina, um, where I worked for Ingersoll Rand. Ingersoll Rand is, is a really big manufacturing company. Um, it, it's, it's around us. If you see all those uh, machines that li- that that helps in road building and construction, they're all from Ingersoll Rand. You see the IR symbol there. Um, I worked there uh, again, supporting their finance, supporting their FP&A processes. Um, then I moved to Bay Area for uh, Google. Um, I was there for a long time, for almost five and a half, six years, supporting their finance processes. And, and Google is huge. Uh, Google has huge finance teams, um, not, not many systems. So there's a huge team. And it's, it's great working with uh, Google um, and supporting all the finance processes and the systems as well. Awesome. So uh, was anybody thinking about back then about how to apply AI to finance? Or that's pretty new, it seems. It's it's pretty pretty new, right? Even last few years, we were talking about predictive analytics using machine learning for prediction in finance, but finance finance has some inherent problems like data 
data size, data quality, in terms of using machine learning for predictions. And now we have generative AI. Uh, so we're talking about how we can use generative AI to, to make things faster in finance. Um, and when we talk about finance, I'm talking more about corporate finance, the accounting, the FPND, the treasury, the tax, all these systems. People usually get confused between finance. When we say finance technology, it could be investment banking, right? Um, it could be fintech, like payments, or it could be corporate finance. Um, uh, my my core competency, my forte is is corporate finance, talking about um, controllers, accounting, uh, FP&A teams, tax treasury. Awesome. And, you know, obviously a lot of people might be a little scared about that adoption. Like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job to Ashok's new computer program or AI. Like, how could we as leaders prepare our firms and employees and, and customers, in your case, for the adoption of artificial intelligence? So artificial intelligence in, in a broad sense, right, is going to increase efficiency in our finance process. And this is, this is something similar like when we introduced computers to the business processes, right? I'm sure there are, uh, like, were there like a lot of these discussions happening that computers would take away a lot of jobs? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember those. Right, I, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of very specific teams at that time, and I've read about it, that people are like very much worried about how, how computers are gonna take jobs off, what, all, the, all the things that people used to do manually now, right? Writing it in a book, in a ledger, or you know, calculating using the calculator, all those things are gone, right? But there are new jobs. But AI, at least I feel this time is a little different, right? AI is the final frontier for us. Again, I'm, I'm saying final frontier in terms of our efficiency gains in what humans can achieve. Um, at this point of time, we are doing a lot of processes which are manual. Uh, there are a lot of processes which we just hate them, but we still do it. Like, for example, tax, right? This, the, the tax submissions are paid. I mean, it, it, it's a lot of pain to do all that manual process, get things done. And finally, if there is a mistake, then you have to, again, get started and then do all that work. We hate that process, but we still have to do it. Those things, it, it really helps us automate stuff. Um, so I think the jobs that we hate will be gone first. Yeah, that um, would be nice, right? It's not hard to sell someone on a, you don't have to work an 18-hour day at the end of the quarter. <laughs> right, yeah. Those are the things that I think will be the biggest wins if we can get them automated and slowly to get into all the process. But as a business leader, it's, it's being open to this new technology. There will be a lot of resistance from all the sites. For example, when we go read all these articles in Wall Street Journal or uh, New York Times, they talk about the security aspects of it, the privacy aspects of large language model. They're kind of fear-mongering because, we, you know, we as humans, we have been writing software. We built all this great software with security, with privacy, um, and we're still we're doing good. In large, we're just getting started with large language models, so it will take probably a few months for us to figure out the whole security and privacy aspect of, of large language models, the data, what data is being used to train these models, but we'll figure it out pretty fast, right? So I don't think leaders should look at this new technology wave from that aspect. Of course, they should be careful about it, but that shouldn't stop them 
from from experimenting with it, from using these these products. That's one. And second is there will be a lot of resistance coming from within within your teams, right? Because as you mentioned, oh, if I start using this software, maybe what will happen to my job, right? Maybe this software will, and it is going to happen at some point. We, let's not sugarcoat it, right? But there will be new kind of jobs, right? For example, the, the, if you have 10 people doing an accounting process, now probably you need three people to do it, but they still need three jobs, right? So in, in that sense, there is there are still people needed to run these systems, to run this software, to get work done. Uh, but the efficiency gain will be amazing as we bring all the, all these new AI tools into business processes. So to summarize, uh, st- ex- continue experimenting with AI, um, start using new tools, uh, don't restrict because it's just a new technology that's one. Two is build that consensus within your team um, so that the, there's not much resistance from your team to use these efficiency tools, right? If you stop, if you if you're teams, they are not using these tools, they're, they're, they're going to lose out on all the efficiency gains that your competition is going to get. So you can't really stop that uh, from happening, right? So, so you continue experimenting um, and see where it goes. Yeah, there are two kinds of companies right now. Those that say they're adopting AI and are actually doing it, and those that are say they're adopting AI and they're not doing it, right? So okay. <laughs> think about how many companies have restricted chat GPT access in their office laptops, right? Said, oh, okay, yeah, we do have some concerns regarding the data being, you know, like the private data being used in chat GPT. But do you really want to restrict this amazing tool within your company when you're, let's say if your employee is writing this big document, don't you want to give them the tool? Uh, It could be a chat GPT or it could be something else, but don't you want to give them, don't you want to empower them with AI so that they can do it much faster in a much better way uh, and more creative way as well? Absolutely. So going back in time, what was the first computer language you learned and what what do you use now? Mine was uh, basic in 1979. (laughs) <laughs> oh wow! Okay, I, I, I think I probably learned a little bit basics, uh, basic in school, but I don't even remember anything. But I, what I remember is I learned C. Um, C when, when I was growing up, C is considered as the ultimate language that you have to learn. Even if you know Java or anything, it's the C that you have to learn, right? Uh, but then I learned um, some Java in my bachelor's. I did my engineering, so that's how I learned some of the coding as well. But now my go-to language is Python because um, I've done a lot of experimentation with the data science, um, with machine learning modeling, and now with generative AI. So Python is a language for me to interact with and use it, use all the APIs to connect to, you know, for example, OpenAPI, Llama 2. Uh, so Python is the one which I uh, use day in, day out. Yeah, I'm with you. I use mostly Python now, although uh, I learned C++. I still got that book kicking around here somewhere. I got to go Got to go look for it. Um, now, I heard that you are a big fan of Mahatma Gandhi. Is there a, a book or a movie or something you could recommend to people on the show that want to learn more about his life and philosophy? Yeah, there's, there's actually, in terms of movie, there's a movie, Ben Kingsley movie. Um, uh, it's it's a Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, amazing movie. It shows about his life history, but the book that Mahatma Gandhi has written is um, the um, Experiments with Truth, which is an amazing book, which talks about personal integrity, his discipline, 
um, you know, his discipline in eating food, his discipline in dealing with other people, um, leading that simple ascetic life, all those things are fascinating when I read it. Um, that's one book um, that I, I recommend people to read it if you're really interested to know about the thought process of this greatest man who lived on the earth. Uh, I, yeah. Awesome. And probably not as good as Gandhi, but who was who your best boss and why? <laughs> so, I would say there is one, but I remember uh, one of my manager actually mentioned this to me. Um, this is long ago, but um, it's, about, it's not about being a taskmaster and getting things done, but how a person should be more influencer within the company. Because it's, in, in most of your interactions um, in day-to-day -day life at work is usually dotted lines, right? You don't have, when, when, you get, when you want to get a lot of things done, it's dotted lines. So if you want the other person to listen to you and get things done without resistance, without pushback, or without, you know, you have to escalate and get that done, that's that's a superpower. So she said, it's not being a taskmaster that gives you edge, but being building that relationship with all the people you work with, that would be the superpower to get things done much faster. Yeah, that's great advice. Like my version of that was make friends with people before you need to ask them a favor, <laughs> right? That's right, so. that's right. You know how things get really fast, right? When we're talking about big companies, it's always there is, there is that resistance comes from an employee saying, why do I have to do it, right? You're saying something, why do I have to take it up? That didn't come from my boss. Why should I do it? So, so making things easier, as you mentioned, make friends first uh, before asking for help. Well, you've worked in a lot of really cool companies, including technology companies. What's what's the most interesting story you can tell us from uh, working in, in tech for the past few years? So, uh, in terms of technology, we have seen, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, how things have ch changed really fast in the last 15 years, particularly in technology. Um, if you take a finance example, as I mentioned, people used to be very, very apprehensive about any new technology that comes into finance space because they always say, oh, this is finance data. We have, we have the SOX compliance that we have to follow. We have all these audit requirements. So we can't keep this on a server which sits somewhere else. So they said, okay, let's not use any of the cloud technology. Let's only buy servers install this software, hire probably 20 people to maintain those servers, and also then more people to you know, use the software and all that. And, and it used to be a very strong opinion on what we use uh, in finance, but that changed fast. Then we got SaaS systems where you don't know where your, where your cloud is, right? where your server is, but you have these softwares installed on that. I'm talking about cloud where the software is installed on a server, which you don't even own, right? Some, somewhere that's a cloud installed software, but then they, they came SaaS. Now you don't even own the software or neither the server, you just have the URL, the subscription to it, and you start using it. And companies have adopted it, small, big, uh, mid-sized companies, all are using uh, SaaS now. I heard even QuickBooks is, is SaaS now, um, so you don't have to install it on your laptop and worry about what happens if my, if my laptop is messed up. 
That's great. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about Chatfin now. Talk a little bit more about your company and your, your key goals over the next year or two. Right. So Chatfin is a digital assistant for finance teams um, to make them uh, much more efficient. So it's a generative AI, very fine-tuned for all the finance needs for mid to large corporations at this point of time. Um, so users can basically query data, they can trigger their workflows, they can automate their tasks, everything using simple chat, chat commands, right? I don't even say commands, but simple chat messages. Um, you can you can ask questions, for example, you, you can say, hey, what's, what are my balances for my cash accounts? And then it you don't have to go run a report in the ERP software just to get that answer, right? I mean, you can. It probably will take, if you're an expert, it'll take four or five minutes for you to do it and then find out. But do we really have to spend all that time doing it? Or can we just say, what are my balances for my cash accounts? And it should it should actually know what are your cash accounts because you have multiple cash accounts, right? It's not one. So even for a human, even if I start using <clears throat> all this chart of accounts, I won't remember all my cash account codes. Do I really have to, again, go look up all my cash accounts and then query based on it? Or I can just ask a, a bot and get an answer. But querying is just one thing, but you can do a lot of things. You can approve your invoice. You can say, what are my pending invoices for this month? I just want to see, right? You can get all the list and what's what's the total consolidated balance of it or how much account receivable are we is still due for this week. Questions like that, you can get an answer right away, but you can start triggering workflows. You can automate tasks. Automation is, is a really big thing. So <clears throat> like you won't believe this, this lot of automation we have done in the last 10 years that, that amazingly increased our efficiency. But all that automation is done by IT. No automation is done by a business user because automation is complex, right? You need a tool, you need an RPA tool, or you need a Python expert who comes in and does some kind of coding to automate your process. As a business user, I can tell this, 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 these are the six steps I do. Can you automate this? But no business user can do it. But the problem with that is whenever a business person has to get something automated, they have to show ROI of the investment, of the automation. The first question they'll ask is, the IT will ask is, how much time do you spend doing this manually at this point of time? You say one hour a week, or you say, even if you say like one hour a day, you say, that's too less for us to spend all this time and come and automate the task for you. So that's how a lot of processes, a lot of manual processes got accumulated in finance. And what we want to do is we want to give that the ability to automate to the business user. You don't need IT or you don't need a developer to come and do it. You can simply say, hey, I want to run this report every morning at 8 a.m. and send it to my CFO. Simple automation, right? You can do it manually, but you have to set up an alarm to do it every day. It takes 10 minutes to do it. But if you can automate it by yourself, that's that's going to be that's going to be magical, um, you know, in, in terms of efficiency gains for finance teams. So that's what those are the things that we are working on. Awesome. And do you think there'll be similar solutions for ESG because that seems to be landing on the CFO's doorstep as well? That's right. There's a lot of processes that are involved to get that ESG reporting out. Um, those things are still being set up. Things are changing a lot. But at some point, 
do you do we want to train our uh, employees with all these rules or do we want to train an ai model um, that can read your income statement right and all the details in it and then give you automatic esg reporting out of it right that would be biggest gain biggest um, use case for someone building in the esg space probably chatfin will build that as well alec um, let's work on it and let's build that for esg uh, but uh, it, that would be a great gain in the next few years um, when when this esg reporting starts uh, taking effect yeah so so you mentioned uh, this is chat so it's probably large language model focused but are there other types of uh, AI that you can use for finance, corporate finance? That's right. Um, so there, there are a couple of things, right? One is predictive analytics, where we take the data and we see the patterns in the data, we study them and help and try to use them for predicting the future. That's the predictive analytics. We can use simple statistical models. Like linear regression is one of the one of the way to do predictive analytics, right? Linear regression is, is like the ABC of it. But then we can go much more complex. We can use statistical models uh, like Arima, Sarimax, or we can now go advanced machine learning models as well, like XGBoost, like GPM. As we go much more advanced in this modeling, one of the prerequisites is to have really good data uh, in terms of the quality of the data and also the size of the data. We do need a lot of data to actually study patterns. It's also true for humans. Um, it's not just for a machine to come up with solid patterns. It needs more data. It's also humans. We do need it. Um, but the problem with finance is finance deals with aggregated data. We don't deal with all the detailed transactions of it. So if you are dealing with detailed transactions, it's better because you have more data to, to deal with it, right? Um, but when you're dealing with aggregated data, um, that means as, as an income statement, how many lines do you have? Do you have around probably 500 different accounts in your account statement, that's all. So it's not much. And if you take four years of data, uh, if it is monthly, so it's a 48 months uh, into 50, it's not much of of data there to to use machine learning modeling to do predictions. But as we go into operational finance, where we have inventory, where we have all the sales data, that's that's a really valuable data that we can bring into these machine learning models to do your revenue prediction um, and see your, your gross margin prediction and all that things in much more scientific way. That's one. Second is generative AI. So generative, think about generative AI. Is Generative AI is going to disrupt how we interact with data or how we interact with process. I'll, I'll take an example of finance because that's what I work on. Right now, when we deal with finance data, all this finance data is in finance software. So the only way we deal with them is we go into the software or we go through Excel or we connect to the software and query the data. We take the data out of the software, then we manipulate the data, we put it in a format that we like, and then we build dashboards over it, all these processes. So the data operations actually take very long time, uh, even, even if we have this amazing backend softwares. But... Generative AI is going to solve that. What generative AI does is it's going to be the new interface for all the, all the business processes. It, it takes the mental power out of the user. As I mentioned earlier, I don't have to remember all my cash account codes. Why do I have to when, when it's just a simple query to the database and get that data? Large language model is going to do it, all that work. All you have to say is cash accounts. That's it. It's going to go find out all the cash accounts 
and query the data that is involved in it. Um, so those are the two, generative AI and predictive analytics. Well, that sounds great. And uh, I mean, it sounds super cool. You know, so so you're in an elevator and there's a CFO of a company in there and you've got 30 seconds to, you know, pitch this guy to try your products. Like, what do you say? So Chadfin is the digital assistant for finance teams where users can query, automate, and also trigger workflows using simple chat commands. That's a very concise pitch. That sounds good. It's too bad I'm not a CFO. Uh, now, so what are some of the other core features of your product or areas where you think you're saving you know, people the most time that you haven't talked about yet? So generative AI is just starting, right? The, the capabilities, the abilities, and what we can build um, with it is going to be amazing. What we It's just the scratch on the surface at this point of time. What are the capabilities that we are able to do it? But as we move forward in this journey, we can we can compete on capabilities, right? Like for example, we can build a lot of capabilities. We can build, as I mentioned, query, triggering workflows, automation. Then we can build predictive analytics. We can build finance reasoning. So finance reasoning, reasoning, I like, is a very interesting um, uh, process. For example, if someone asks you a question, um, something like, "How? Why is our gross margin down for a specific product?" Right which requires hours and hours of digging into data, finding out, studying the data, and then coming up with an answer that can, in a human way that convinces the, your leadership, right? This takes probably a week time to get an answer. Can we actually train a large language model to do this finance reasoning? When you ask a question like this, it should know what are all the steps that are involved to come up with an answer. It's going to list out all the tasks, and then it will do each task. Like, okay, uh, this data is in this software, so I'll pull that data. Now I'll study this data to see why there is a difference in this gross margin. And then it can probably use some of the machine learning models as well to see what's my prediction, but why this is a little deviation from normal, what could have been the reason, and do more, more data analysis. So that finance reasoning is going to be the, the final um, capability that all these large language models or even in software like Chatkin can build that will help finance users a lot. And this these reasoning things can be applied everywhere, not just finance, right? You can use this in supply chain, you can use this in marketing. Um, because that's how the corporate functions are, right? We ask a question and then we have all this data, we go study this data to come up with an answer. So it's gonna be amazing in terms of how we can use this software to answer those questions. Awesome. And are, are you focused, obviously, accounting laws are different uh, around the world. You, are you focused only on the U.S. or more globally? At this point, only in U.S. Um, there's a lot of regulation in EU at this point of time. So it's easy for us to build it here in U.S. and then sell it. Um, as we as we deal with a lot of more, more rule changes, more regulation on AI and also on the accounting changes, it will be it won't be that difficult for us to fine tune this new set of rules and um, give the solution to other countries as well. And you know, as and as this spins up and you have customers using it, like how do you think about uh, risk management around this product in, in terms of you know making sure it's giving correct answers and things like that? Um, there are multiple questions in your question, right? For example, how do we deal with security? How do we deal with privacy? How do we deal with accuracy of the, uh, the answer? 
Large language models tend to hallucinate. Um, they come up with an answer which I think doesn't even exist, right? They just hallucinate and gives you something. Um, it doesn't work in, in corporate structure. You need a solid answer. You don't want uh, something else which is not even there. So we can, there are a couple of ways we can make sure to build that trust with the user. For example, when a user asks a question, rather than showing an answer right away, you can confirm that question. For example, you asked about a specific report. Um, and now it can say, is this, the, the system can come back and say, is this the report that you want to run? This, and giving you that name. And also then it says, okay, are these the filters that you want me to apply? For example, if you have like a cost center filter, you have a legal entity filter, it can, it can show you, these are the filters I'm gonna use in this report to give you this data, is this what you want? That way we can build the trust uh, initially with the user so that they know, okay, this is what I'm getting and this is what, I'm, what I want. Um, that's one way. And in terms of privacy, there are software best practices that we can follow uh, in terms of encryption, um, making sure, and also single instance for each customer. That's how we can have a separate large language model, separate software instance just for a customer. That way we can separate all the data um, from one customer to other. You know, what, what happened with chat GBD, we can avoid that situation by having a separate instances for each customer. And have we reached the limits of large language models at this point? I don't think so. There's probably there's a lot of things. We're all excited to see all these new capabilities coming out. Um, I, I don't it's it's barely a scratch on the surface at this point. There's, there's a lot of things that can be achieved. It's not just in terms of keep capabilities of these large language models, right? We have this large language model right now. How do we use it? What are the use cases where we can we can go and use this large language models and apply? At this point of time, in our everyday use, we are we are using ChatGPT to write emails, um, write documents, or ask, or use it like a Google search, right? But there's more and more uses that we can do in corporate, like digital assistants, um, chatbots, customer support, all these aspects, we can go explore and see how, how things will change. Awesome. And how, how does one get started with machine learning and financial planning and analysis, for example, if you've got you know someone or another who's just looking for advice, for example? Uh, uh, these days, I think learning has become democratized, right? YouTube, YouTube is amazing in terms of, I like you know that, right? If you want to build something, it would work. That's the first place we go. We check it out, how things are done, and then you go apply. Same thing with writing software, with machine learning. There are there's a lot of, lot of amazing material that is available. All we need to do is spend time, right? It, initially, it looks like, oh, there's a lot of material. Which should I, which, where should I start? Which one should I watch? But once you start spending some time, of course, you know, oh, of course, this content is getting repeated, so I don't have time to go to a much more advanced um, course, right? So, so start somewhere in terms of understanding what is a large language model? What is ChatGPT? What, what is machine learning? Like predictive analytics, if you want to start using predictive analytics, there are amazing courses that are available for free um, on, on Coursera on YouTube and you can start there. But the one suggestion I give to all the finance users is to have at least a little bit of coding um, expertise, right? You can, you can learn Python or, or maybe Java. Python is much better so that you can use a lot of things. It, it gives you capabilities that, you know, to interact with a lot of software 
um, that's that's going to change uh, change life. Even even if you're let's say a small if you're an analyst in a company, you can use Python coding to automate some of your work. At this point of time, of course, as we go much more advanced in these large language models, automation will be much more easy. But uh, having that expertise of um, a little bit of Python will really help you in, in, in starting with machine learning and also with large language models. Great advice. And, and we'll put some links to some of those uh, videos and other things in uh, the show notes. So how about um, advice to businesses looking to implement AI in their financial systems? Obviously, they can come to you and chat, Jen. Is there, is there anything else, any other advice you would give them? So platform agnosticity is going to be one of the big problems. Uh, it's going to be a problem with AI. For example, we already use a lot of software in finance, right? They're from these big players, Oracle's, SAP, Center Plans. All these big players have their own software. So these companies will have their own uh, chat features, like their own large language models that will be pushed onto the customer. But what if you have multiple softwares within your company? You have, as an example, I'm just saying you have Oracle, you have SAP. Which one will you use? Which digital assistant will you use? So the platform agnosticity is going to be a big problem as we move forward. Um, so that, but that shouldn't stop you from implementing. That's why there are tools like Chatfin, which can connect to any of the softwares that you have. So you don't have to go with with this chat features of the software that you have. With all the large language models, what I want to mention, what I want to underline is you still need the underlying databases. You still need these big finance softwares to host your data. They are not going anywhere at this point of time. But on top of it, you can implement generative AI to make things much easier for, for your finance teams. Awesome. And what is AI in corporate finance going to look like in five years? What are we What are we going to be able to do, do you think? So automation, as I mentioned, once we give the capability of automation to a business user, it's going to be amazing in terms of efficiency gains, right? When people can automate and you have visibility of what automation has been done, now you can see what are, even if it's an automation is unnecessary, right? Like some process which we don't even need, if we automated it, if we get the visibility of it is there, that at that point of time, you can always say, hey, why are we doing this? We can, we can eliminate these processes, right? So giving that ability to a business user to automate by themselves is going to be game changer. And the next five years is where we are, where we will be. Is we'll automate a lot of stuff. AI will do a lot of lot of our work. There will be at least two to three x efficiency gains in five years. And if it's going to be ten x, that's going to be amazing. Uh, but there's always a slow learning curve of any new technology. Right? There will be a lot of companies that will start this year, you know, thinking about AI. But there will be some company that will start thinking in the next four years. Uh, oh, now everyone did it, so probably we have to uh, kind of an attitude. So what's yeah. something we should be concerned about with AI? Uh, in terms of <clears throat> security is, is, is a concern. Um, as I mentioned, we'll solve it, but we should be aware of in terms of what data goes in there, um, how we train our models. Um, that is a very important factor uh, and making sure our data is not getting leaked uh, from the large language models is, is very important. Um, and you have seen what happened with Samsung a few months ago when, when data got leaked. Um, very, very, I mean, 
very confidential information that got leaked through ChatGPT. So making sure that doesn't happen is very important for corporates. So let's say you're talking to someone in college who's interested to do work in AI. Like, What, what, what advice do you give them? Um, as I mentioned, first learn coding. Um, since you're in college, it will be much easier for you to spend an hour a day or probably a couple of hours a day in, and take that basic Python course and start coding. Even if you're an um, MBA major, if you're in management, business administration, just l learning that little bit of coding will help you a lot in your career. Um, it, you can you can now integrate various systems. You can use probably ChatGPT, OpenAI for some of the automations, or probably you can build a tool, uh, build a business out of it. So that will give you that superpower, having uh, that capability to code, capability to integrate some of these processes would be uh, amazing. Awesome. So the last section is called underrated or overrated. So I'll list something or name something, and you can say whether you think it's underrated or overrated in a few words why. Uh, so we'll kick it off with living in Berkeley, California, underrated or overrated? Um, well, what's the middle term for underrated? Is it equitated? You can say uh, fairly rated, fair. Fairly rated, okay. All right. <laughs> I think it's fairly rated. All right. Woodworking as a hobby, underrated or overrated? Underrated, for sure. Awesome. You can build lots of fun stuff. Uh, how fair. about getting an MBA at University of Akron despite the weather, underrated or overrated? It's a, it's a, uh, it's a tough question. So I have an opinion on MBA in general, not not a specific college. As I mentioned, MBA confuses you where where, where you want to go, and if it really adds any value, I'm I'm very doubtful about it. The, the things that you can learn in an MBA, you can actually read books and do it, right? You can read all the use cases. You can probably read Harvard Business Review to get all the use, you know, get all the case studies, and and study and read about them. But do we really, really need to spend two years or probably a year and a half or two years in there learning this much more methodologically? Um, but I've seen people saying that networking is the biggest thing that came out of MBA. But again, do we want to really spend two years to do that part of networking, right? There are other ways to do networking as well. So uh, my opinion about, about MBA is always it's probably a little overrated to do an MBA. Got it. Explainable AI, underrated or overrated? Underrated, for sure. Always good to know where the answer is coming from. Uh, how about working at Alphabet? Underrated or, or the artist formerly known as Google? Underrated I'd or overrated? Fairly rated. Fairly rated. So all the hype is true. Blockchain for finance, underrated or overrated? I don't want to make enemies saying about this, right? But um, I've been thinking about blockchain and finance. I've interacted with a lot of blockchain experts. Um, there are a lot of people who are very bullish about how things will change once blockchain comes into picture, comes into reality. Um, and I've, I'm have, I think I've had this uh, interactions for the last three, four years. And, and, and this, they all sound logical to me. Right? When they say, oh, this is what blockchain can do, you don't have to really do all the reconciliation because this is all well built in. That all makes logical sense, but I still haven't seen anything um, anything solid in terms of if there's a software, I can go and implement at a company. Uh, so, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I think the, the issue is you got a lot of inter- entrenched interests there, I think, right? Right. And then, and then finally, the movie Interstellar, underrated or overrated? Oh, uh, I think it's fairly rated. Uh, but I've seen this movie uh, many times. Um, I, even now, when I'm a little bored, I just play some random scene from that movie and watch it. It's it's fascinating. Very cool movie. So yeah. thank you for coming on the show. This has been Ashok Mantena, CEO and founder of Chatfin. Thank you, Ashok. Thanks, Alec. You were listening to the State Podcast. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. For example, Apple Podcasts. Please like, subscribe, and comment. And you can also find us on stayblog.substack.com. Thanks. I can't do that.